this was a big motivator for me to actually get off sugar is understanding that this, this substance or this food item had control over me. And there was this pull that is really how I define, you know, sugar addiction, you know, is, is this lack of control and this actual use and quote unquote, like need for sugar or junk food when we know that it's harming us. So that's really an an addiction is when we're, we're engaging in behavior or substances that we know are harming us, but we can't seem to stop. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist Trudy Stone, and I am so grateful that you tuned in today. So look, today we have a very special guest, and she is going to teach us all about how we can tame that sugar dragon. We're going to be talking about sugar addiction and why it is so hard to kick. And trust me, I have been there, so I know how hard it is. Danielle Dame is a sugar freedom coach and speaker who is passionate about helping women reshape their relationship with sugar so they can reclaim control over their health and energy once and for all. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, Danielle. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me here, Trudy. I'm so excited to be on the show and to have this conversation and, and share you know, with your audience on this, this topic that is so, so important to me and, and I think the world. So uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm just buzzing with excitement to to get chatting. (laughs) So am I. Thanks so much for being here. So Danielle, if this is someone's first introduction to you, can you just give us a little bit of a background about who you serve and what it is that you do? Yeah. Yes. Great question. So, um, as a, you know, I call myself a sugar, sugar freedom coach, but I'm a holistic nutrition coach as well. And in my journey over the last six years, since starting to work with women in this way and helping them really reshape their health, I very quickly noticed not only my own addiction to sugar, but, um, that this was actually a huge epidemic that most women that I came in contact with most humans, not just women, right. That, um, you know, really had this pull and this, this deep, deep seated connection and addiction to sugar dependency, whatever word you want to call it. I mean, we're all at a different level of the spectrum. So I became really fascinated with that. And and now, you know, I'm, I'm really deep into helping women dive into the root causes and the real reasons that we actually use sugar in our lives uh, or, you know, processed food, or, I mean, sugar is, is a blanket you know, statement that I'm using. I mean, there's lots of ways that we can define sugar, but just using food, right. Whether it's overeating on cucumbers or sugar. I mean, there's, there's usually some sort of underlying 
piece that, and actually more than one. Um, and that's what I call these like foundational pieces around sugar. So what I really do is, is help women step back into their power and really create a sense of peace and freedom with all food, not just sugar that really starts from the inside out. You know, we have to look inward at the mindset pieces, the emotional pieces, the trauma pieces that are really at the root of why we use food, right? Why we use it for a reason. So that's the short version of, of what I, what I do. And I help my clients really, you know, get clean from sugar, get back in control on their physical level and the emotional mental level as well. Yeah. You know, and I love that. And I love when you said, Danielle, you know, reclaiming their power, like over food and over sugar, because sometimes it can feel like it's almost like those cookies on the counter, are just like silently calling our name. Like anytime it's around us, we just gravitate towards those foods and we just really can't help ourselves. And then we just kind of feel like, we kind of feel like crap because we feel like, oh my God, like what is wrong with me? Why don't I have any willpower? Why aren't I more disciplined? You know, we start to blame ourselves. So, you know, can you talk to us, I guess, about what sugar addiction is specifically and how do we even know that we're addicted? Yeah, such a great question. And yeah, thank you for commenting on that. I think, you know, just to comment on, on what you said there, you know, it is such a, such a sense of being out of control right? Where, where we, we feel in our body. And I, I know this, this was, this was a big motivator for me to actually get off sugar is understanding that this, this substance or this food item had control over me. And there was this pull, right? So to answer your question, you know, that is, that is really how I define, you know, sugar addiction, you know, is, is this lack of control and this actual use and quote unquote, like need for sugar or junk food when we know that it's harming us. So that's really, you know, an an addiction is when we're, we're engaging in behavior or substances that we know are harming us, but we can't seem to stop. So even though we know how toxic overdosing on sugar is for us, I mean, hopefully by now, most people know that it's, it's been talked about for years, you know, but we still can't seem to stop. So that's the addictive patterning, the addictive behavior. We can also use the word dependency. I mean, some people don't like using the word addiction because it's a big, scary word. But, you know, I believe at some level we are all dependent in some way or another on processed food and sugar. And there's a couple, I mean, there's lots of reasons, but there's a few main reasons um, that that's showing up is number one, the food industry wants us to be addicted. And this is a huge mm-hmm. piece of it, oh, right? Yeah. We There are billion dollar departments in companies like Coca-Cola and Kraft that literally are studying how to hijack your brain with the right combination of chemicals. Um, and it's just, it's, it's keeping you coming back. Right. I mean, it's an unfortunate way that our, that our food industry is run. They, they want money, not necessarily your health. So we mm-hmm. just have to come to terms with that. And there's definitely like those phys- physiological pieces that are keeping us hooked. And of course it's everywhere. It's hidden in everything. Mm-hmm. It's just socially acceptable. It's um, you know, it's pushed on us. It's what we use for every emotion. I mean, there's a, there's a whole list that we could get into later, but how do we really know if, you know, we, we have that dependency or addiction, it's going to really show up differently for everyone. But I would say if you're listening to this episode, there may be, that might be a sign, sign, yeah. right. That you're listening to this in the first place going, huh, I'm curious about my relationship with sugar. And that's often our higher self coming through, you know, connecting with, Hey, nudge, nudge. There's something you need to hear in this podcast. So that might be a good, a good little tip. Um, Some of the other big things to keep an eye out for are just that inability to say no, right? Feeling like whenever there is something sweet in front of you or someone offers you something, you can't say no. 
There's also for a lot of people, you know, that, that need to have something sweet after every meal. There's that like, oh yeah, why well, I, I dinner is not complete without dessert. Right. Mm-hmm. Or the late night snacking, right. Paying attention to what you're eating. Also that inability to have just one, right. I know we all are like angry at that woman that we see sitting there just having one cookie and you're like, how do you do that? I need to eat the whole bag. <laughs> so that's a, that's a really big sign to know that, Hey, there's, there's something going on here. And then physically speaking, obviously it's going to show up, you know, slightly differently for everyone. And it's not the only thing that could be causing some of these physical symptoms to show up for you. But most people, myself included, who are, you know, overdosing on sugar and really dependent on sugar, um, are, are really riding the blood sugar roller coaster all day long. So how that shows up is often like waking up first thing in the morning, being so hungry that you have to eat right away. Often the afternoon energy crash, that was a big one for me. I couldn't make it through the afternoon without a muffin and a coffee, you know, and then coming home and continuing that, that roller coaster. So just the inconsistent energy throughout the day, poor sleep, obviously unexplained weight gain, hormonal imbalances, obviously those two kind of tie together, um, you know, really inconsistent moods, you know, a lot of, you know, mood swings and fuzzy brain as well. That's a really Mm. big one is Mm -hmm. um, not being able to think clearly or think straight. And obviously there's other reasons that could show up in our life, but this is, you know, if this stuff is going on for you consistently, there's probably a red flag for you to start taking a look at how much sugar you're eating and how that's actually playing a role in your life. Mm, that's a really, really great list of symptoms. And, you know, for me, like <laughs> I have a long, windy, complicated relationship with sugar and I, I'll spare you all the details. Um, but essentially like cookies were my weakness. Like I just, and this is why even to this day, I seldom keep cookies in the house because I know my self-control around cookies is not the greatest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's so helpful to know, right. To yeah. know what your weak points are. And that's even a tool that anyone listening can use is I actually had a client in my, one of my programs last year that created this like three tier system for herself. She was like, these Uh-oh. are the foods that are hugely triggering for me. These are ones that are kind of medium. And these are ones that like, I can have one of, and aren't like, aren't triggering a sugar binge. So she kind of like classified different, like, you know, mm-hmm. foods and processed items, depending on like how, how much they had control over her. So that's a tool that you can use. I mean, you know, that cookies are, are just a no, no in the home, right. And maybe there are other things that you can have in the home that are like, they don't call to you from the cupboard at night. Right. And they can sit there and be used occasionally. So we can all do that. And it's going to be obviously different uh, for everyone. What, what that, what that call that food, that's really, really hard for you is going to be. Yeah. You know, and I always say to my clients too, it it all starts with awareness, right? Like that's where you start because a lot of times when people want to make changes to their diet, it's like, okay, where do I start? And it just starts with just becoming aware of what your current habits are, right? It's almost like plugging in an address to the GPS. Like once you know kind of where it is that you're going, now you can kind of see the path to get there, right? So let's talk about like why most people are addicted to sugar. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Yeah. And this, I think is really important because just like you said, having this awareness is step one. I I say that too, in everything. And I'm I'm so glad that you resonate with that because it is so true that until we're actually aware of a problem or a solution or an issue, or we're never going to be able to actually fix it, right. Or navigate our way out of it. So we have Mm -hmm. to know first what's going on. And a lot of us, and I'm going to share some tough love here. A lot of us are actually lying to ourselves about how Mm -hmm. much sugar we're actually eating. 
the first week in all my programs and whenever I work with a client, it's track your sugar. And it's so amazing how our brain will actually just lie to ourselves. I don't eat that much. It's not that bad. And then we actually sit down and put numbers to it. And it's always a shock. So just paying attention to that is really important and having that awareness. So I, I touched on a few of these, but let's, let's go in a little more to why, yeah, why, you know, sugar is, is, has become such a problem and it is such an addiction. So on the physical front, sugar hijacks our cells to the next level, right? It's actually stimulating the pleasure centers in our brain 10 times, a hundred times more sometimes than cocaine or like drugs that we would think of really stimulating those addictive centers. It's giving us that dopamine hit. And it's really, really starting to actually change the cellular structure of our brain, which obviously is going to be calling us to eat more, eat more, eat more, right? Let alone also the the gut imbalance that having that overdose of sugar is contributing to, right? It's it's causing our bad bacteria in our gut to grow, which feed on sugar. And there becomes this whole brain-gut connection that's ultimately at a cellular level, just calling us to eat sugar, eat sugar, eat sugar. So there is a very physical component, obviously. And, and um, you know, you can obviously do your own research on that. We don't need to get to science-y today and go into that. Because I believe that the main reasons most of us are addicted to sugar are actually the psychological pieces. So the emotional pieces, the mental pieces, the fact that ever since childhood, we've been taught to use food for comfort for literally for every emotion. So I do a lot of emotional eating work, a lot of emotion work with my clients because I see this as one of the biggest root causes for all of us really driving to sugar is that we've never been given the tools to actually handle difficult emotions, whether it's grief or sadness or stress or a pandemic, right? Like how do we go through this emotional turmoil and support ourselves with that? We don't learn that in our society. We don't. We learn to numb mm. out. We learn to escape. We learn that there's something wrong with you if you have a difficult emotion like depression or anxiety or stress. So we learn to try to make it go away as quick as possible. And this is a, a really toxic pattern because here we are as adult human beings on planet Earth having an emotional experience and, and we're in this pattern of having a difficult emotion, feeling uncomfortable in our body and just quickly using food to numb out, to escape. And we can do this with any, I mean, this is a, a big basis of any addiction, right? Just escaping out of our current reality because it's too painful. Mm. So it's a tool that we use to, to escape pain. And this can be pain from past traumas, pain from current situations, pain from not feeling loved, you know, all the pieces. So I think that emotional component is really huge, let alone all of the societal conditioning, the societal pressure. Every holiday is focused around sugar, right? Or and, right. and over overeating on food, you know, birthday parties at the office, people constantly sharing, showing love with food, right? Oh, I baked mm. you a batch of cookies, right? Or, you know, whenever somebody passes away, there's always baked pies and and baked casseroles and just sugary quote unquote comfort foods coming through. So it's how we show love. It's just so deeply ingrained in our society that it makes it difficult because as someone who is standing up and wants to make a change and get healthy and, and lower their sugar intake or get off sugar, you know, when you go to the office or you go to a party or you go out to dinner with your girlfriends, you're going to be the odd one out. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it feels really weird. And I know you've talked about this here on the show before, but this like people pleasing and this like this really deep drive to be liked and, you know, has has really rears its heads in those situations. So you have to be able to, you know, be a little bit of a rebel and yeah. and be okay being the odd one out and actually doing that inner work and looking at those pieces because those societal and then your internal belief systems and emotional pieces, I think are are the biggest drivers that a lot of people don't talk about when it comes to like our dependency and addiction to sugar. Yeah, for sure. And I think it also comes down, Danielle, to the language that we use as well, because I think, you know, sometimes if we know, like, for example, sugar, we know sugar is not the greatest for us. We want to cut back on sugar. You know, when we talk to our friends, we're like, oh, you know what? I can't have sugar. Right. So instead of saying I can't, I choose not to right? Because when you say I choose not to have sugar, that's more empowering than saying, oh, I can't have sugar because now your friend is going to come for you, right? (laughs) So yeah, of course you can have the pie. Go ahead and just order it. It's my treat. So I think by saying I choose not to, I just think that language is a lot more empowering to yourself as well as the other person on the other side as well, because that kind of shows your strength and they probably will admire you for that. Yeah, hopefully. 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 And that's (laughs) not the case for everybody. And there's ways that we do have to navigate that because that is another challenge that, you know, we, we come against is people in our household or, or friends and family really not getting it, um, or really not understanding or, or not wanting us to feel left out, right? Like there's so many, um, really tricky, like interpersonal nuances that come up and conversations that we have to kind of be ready for and to stand on our ground. But the more we step into our power, right? The more we are confident in this is my choice for my body because it, I feel amazing when I'm not eating sugar and I want this for me. Um, in the beginning, that's hard to do, but the more we build that confidence and, and really take back our power, you know, it becomes easier to navigate those conversations, right? When people are like, Oh, come on, just have one, right. Or what's wrong with you? Like, don't be so strict. You're too healthy. I mean, all of this, this, the stuff that we hear from people around us. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. That is a big part of, of what I preach is, is really being careful about the words we use. Um, you know, and, and when we, say things like I'm choosing to, right. It really is coming from a place of power. And every time we use that sentence in whatever, you know, I'm choosing to stay home tonight and look out and have a hot bubble bath instead of go out because that's what I need. right? Right. Or I'm choosing not to eat sugar. It's, it's really retraining ourselves to, to ultimately love ourselves, right. And to be kind Mm -hmm. to ourselves and to, be deeply connected with what we need instead of giving ourselves away. So I love that, that, and I'm so glad that you brought that up in, in remembering the power of the language that we use. It's very powerful. Yeah. So we talked about the right language as one of the mistakes people make when trying to get off sugar. What do you see as some of the other biggest mistakes people make when trying to get off sugar? Yeah, this is amazing. I literally just filmed a podcast episode over on my podcast yesterday about this. So I love that you asked this. So by the time this airs, that one's probably out. So you can come in and listen to more of that on my podcast. But um, some of the biggest things I see, number one, is just detoxing from sugar. This is this sounds really strange and counterintuitive, but I've seen this over the last six years in working with women. So many people will gr- be grabbing on to that quick fix of, well, I just need to go 30 days sugar-free or I need to go 60 days sugar-free. I'm going to do a cleanse. I'm just going to do this detox and then everything's going to be healed. And the problem with that is, as we've already been talking about, that's the, our addiction to sugar is not just physical. So when we just focus on the physical, because yes, you're going to feel great after 30 days, sugar-free or 60 days or 90 days or whatever you you're doing, obviously do that. It's going to be amazing. 
But most people just focus on that. And they think that that's going to be the solution to solve everything when they're not actually also doing the inner work. Mm -hmm. So this is where, you know, my approach to this is quite unique. A lot of my colleagues are kind of in that space of just helping people detox from sugar and feel, feel great for the short term. But what I became obsessed with, because I saw myself, I went on and off sugar countless times over two or three years before I finally got, you know, figured it out for myself. And now I replicate and teach that. But it's really, really easy to go back into the old patterns and habits, right? And our emotional connections and all of the deep-rooted reasons that we're going to sugar that are beyond the physical components. So if we just detox, and we're not doing, you know, actually healing from the inside out and reshaping the way we see ourselves, our belief systems, our emotional resiliency, and all of all the tools that we need, we're, we're always going to fall back into the sugar trap. So that's a really big, big one. There's obviously a lot I could talk about there, but you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Another, another really big piece that I see is a lot of people are actually going off the wrong things, you know, thinking that they're going off sugar, but not actually. Mm. And at the same time, I'll include in this one, um, using artificial sweeteners. So I'm going to lovingly call anyone out who's doing that because it's actually not helping. It's not helping. And I'll, I'll explain why. So when we use artificial sweeteners and we go off sugar, um, we're actually still giving our taste buds a really huge hit of sweetness. So it might not be spiking our blood sugar. It might not be spiking our insulin. It's actually doing damage in a, in a, in a roundabout way physically, but in the moment we're still using sweetness for whatever we're using it for, right? Whether it's numbing out or escaping or to treat ourselves or to show ourselves love or to deal with a difficult situation or like it's it's actually just perpetuating the deep-rooted uh, reasons why we were eating sugar in the first place. And when we do that, we also it also still signals the brain. The brain thinks we had sugar because mm-hmm. our taste buds have had a hit of sweet. And artificial sweeteners and this includes things like stevia right? Monk fruit, like a lot of these sweeteners are actually designed to be a hundred times sweeter than natural sugar. So it's actually still, even though it's not touching our blood sugar, right? And that's why, you know, everybody said this diabetes friendly, it's blood sugar friendly, and we're getting all of this. Um, Agave is also advertised like that as well. Mm-hmm. It's actually still sending that signal to a brain, giving us that dopamine hit. And our brain thinks we had sugar. So now it's going to continue telling us to have more sugar have more sugar, have more sugar, have more sugar, because it had that hit. Um, and it's going to continue those bad habits or those, those, those pathways and those, um, those pieces of why we were using sugar in the first place. So that's why we want to avoid them, you know, and then obviously we could get into a whole discussion on the actual toxic way that they create artificial sweeteners and they're not natural. They shouldn't be in our body. And we're essentially just playing Guinea pigs for some sort of chemical made in a lab, in my opinion. So up to you, if you want to do that, I do, I do see sometimes there is a benefit to using some artificial sweeteners. Like if giving up sugar is the scariest thing on the planet for you, it might be a nice baby step, you know, for the first week or two that you can use those to get you, you know, in over the hump a little bit, and then you need to, you need to clear them out. (laughs) So, um, that's a really big mistake that I see a lot of people making and the things that you really need to go off of. And this is going to vary depending on what expert you talk to. I kind of give, um, basic guidelines, and then you can obviously go deeper if you want to get more serious with cleaning up. Um, but the biggest things to, to eliminate while you detox or, or while you go on this journey are high sugar fruits. 
So those are often the tropical fruits, the fun tropical ones like pineapple and mango and melons as well. Um, And then you're going to want to go off processed flours as well. So this is just sugar. So white flour, white pasta, white rice, these are pretty much just stripped of their nutrients and fiber, simple carbohydrates. When we eat them, they're immediately sugar in our bloodstream. Like there's zero, you know, other nutrients or minerals or vitamins that actually help slow the release of, of the sugar into our bloodstream. So we want to avoid all that pastries, white bread, all that stuff. And then obviously, you know, any added natural or artificial sugars, right? So this is also things like maple syrup, honey, organic coconut sugar, all the fancy new terms and and that the food industry is is really, um, you know, trying to to capture you to think that you're not really eating sugar. So I know a lot of people, and that's a big mistake, you know, just go off the white sugar, right? They're just going Mm -hmm. off processed sugar, the white stuff, they think that, you know, and then they're they're still loading up their tea with honey and having maple syrup in the evening and having all these high sugar fruits, your body's just not going to adjust. You're still getting, you know, you're still on the sugar train in those moments. So just starting to pay attention to that. And the last thing that I'm actually, um, I want to say here, that is another really big common mistake is not actually taking action. So this is really important. And this is going to sound funny because I know I have a podcast, you have a podcast. I mean, we're out here contributing to sharing information with the world. But what I see is one of the biggest, biggest mistakes. And one of the biggest reasons that so many women that I know are still stuck, you know, struggling with their health, whether it's specifically with sugar or overeating or, you know, balancing their hormones or whatever it is that they're working towards is this addiction that we all have to just gathering more information. Mm. So, you know, we, we have this belief in our society and I've been listening for a while and I can see this and all my clients, all my friends, you know, is that, well, the problem must just be that I don't have enough information. I need more knowledge in order to solve my problem. This is what we've been taught and trained to think. So then we go on this rampage, Googling, watching, you know, documentaries, listening to all the podcasts, reading all the books, you know, searching for that next course or that program that's going to solve all of our problems. And the truth is for most of us, and I had to like, I had to shine the mirror at myself because I was doing this a lot. It was, it's, it's in all of us. So just know that I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. I wasn't ever actually applying what I was learning. You know, I was soaking in, oh, it's great. Like even listening to this episode, right. On this podcast, like, are you actually going to implement some of these things that we're talking about? Or are you just going to file this one away in your subconscious and go on to the next thing? Um, And I know you have an amazing book, Trudy, right? And it's like, so often I would do that. I would read a book and they always have the like exercise at the end of the chapter and I would never do them, Mm -hmm. but I would never actually take action on the things that I was learning. So learning tools and learning what to do and learning how to do things. And I would just soak it in and not do anything with it. Right. So we're not going to get results if we don't actually take action. And it's scary to take action and it's difficult and it's hard to get in the kitchen and learn to cook new recipes or to commit to doing a detox from sugar or, uh, you know, starting to go to therapy maybe and do some of this inner healing. Like this stuff is it's hard to take action on. It's difficult. It's painful. Right. It's tricky. So we don't want to do it. Uh, but I really want to highlight that. Cause I think that's, that's an important piece. You know, I know a lot of women come to me saying, well, I've tried everything and nothing works, right. I must just be broken. And that's not true. We've never tried everything. And I'm willing to bet that a part of that, if you can lovingly call yourself out on this without guilt, just, just, just call yourself out with love that maybe you're not actually applying what you're learning. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's just a big mistake that I see in 
all areas of, of life, right? Not just with sugar and food, but I, I had to mention that one because I think it's really, it's really big when you start noticing that for yourself. Oh, it's so true. And you know, I, I love when you said like, just start and you made such a great point. Cause a lot of people don't talk about this, that we're constantly absorbing knowledge and information. And I'm guilty about this as well. Even with like growing my business and scaling my business, I'm always taking in all these different sources of information. There's this group and that group. And it's like, okay, Trudy, are you actually going to sit down and apply this stuff? So the same thing goes for sugar as well. And you know, I've shared this story before on my podcast, but you know, how my journey started was I wanted to lose weight before I got married. And I knew I needed to get a handle on sugar if I was going to be successful with losing weight or just even eating healthier in general, because I was just eating all of the sugary things. So I just started by getting awareness and I got awareness by just starting to write down what it was that I was eating every single day. So I just did that for like a week, because like you said, like in our head, we're like, "Eh, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? But then when I actually started writing everything out. And I saw how many cookies I was eating, how much sugar I was putting in my coffee, all of those things. I was like, oh my God, like there's so many different areas here. And I was overwhelmed and I didn't want to start, but I was like, okay, Trudy, if you could just start one place, where could you start? So I started with coffee because I figured that was the lowest hanging fruit because I was drinking it. Right. And I wasn't ready to give up the cookies yet, but I thought, okay, since I'm drinking the sugar, maybe that's where I start. So that's where I started. I just started with cutting back sugar in my coffee. Um, I started adding cinnamon. So once I got to the place where I didn't add any sugar into my coffee, I added cinnamon because cinnamon tastes a little bit sweet, right? It's also really great for blood sugar regulation as well. So that was my starting point. So I have a question for you. Like when people want to get started, when they have all this information, they, they're, they, you know, they feel overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. Like where is the best place for people to start when it comes to cutting back on sugar? Yeah, that's so good. And I love that story, Trudy. I have similar one as well. It's like, you know, starting to cut back in those areas that like, you know, I could live without it here. Right. And then starting to to dip your way in. So I absolutely love that. Um, And there's, you know, I think the first thing and the most important thing to say here is like, this is really going to depend on your personality. So everyone listening to this, right. Knowing yourself, I know there are some people out there who are like an all or nothing, right. And they need to just go all in pick a start date, get rid of all the sugar and go for it. Right. And there's a lot of you out there listening who are absolutely terrified to do something like that. And you might need to step your way into it slowly. So if that is you, there's a couple really great things that you can start doing. And I really recommend picking again, here's an action item for you, not just to soak in, but actually take action on. I recommend picking one of these things to do each week right? Just, you don't have to do all these at once. And here's just some ideas for you to get started. And what you can do is say, okay, next week, I'm going to do this one thing, right? Like give up, give up, get the sugar out of my coffee, try sugar. So some of the big important first steps, and these are a lot of what I did in the beginning, just kind of accidentally, I guess I knew, I knew what to do (laughs) even before I knew what was going on. Number one is, is label reading. So actually learning to become an investigator in the grocery store. Uh, We need to do this anyway, you know, as a society, we need to actually understand that we're in a world now where we do have to investigate what we're putting in our body because most of it's not actually food. Most of it's not. It's it's processed chemicals, you know, packaged as food-like items in the grocery store. And we have to actually arm ourselves and take our power back by actually reading labels and knowing what we're putting in our body. So just starting to take a quick scan, looking at the grams of sugar on a label, 
Um, looking at the list of ingredients, arming yourself with, you know, the over 200 different names that they now use for sugar. I actually have a, a list a cheat sheet on my website that you can download. That's just like a whole bunch of the names. Um, you can also Google it and look it up. Of course, that's it's out there in public. So you can kind of arm yourself with that and just start paying attention in the grocery store, right? You're going to start noticing like, wow, this salsa has added sugar and this one doesn't, right? Or this, you know, this yogurt has added sugar and this one doesn't, you know, so you can start to make those better choices easily, but you have to be aware of where the, where the sugar is hiding first. And the next piece that you can start to do that, you know, Trudy and I have already been talking about is, is really starting to track what you're eating. And I use this tip cautiously because I know there are a lot of women out there um, who've struggled with eating disorders and obsession with food. So if that's you, this might not be the best place for you to start because we don't want to perpetuate an obsession with food and the guilt and shame that we, you know, put on ourselves for eating bad and, and, you know, kind of, we don't want to use that journaling exercise as a way to beat ourselves up. Okay. So please tune in with yourself on that. If that's a healthy thing for you to do, if not avoid it, right. Avoid it. But you can just start tracking your sugar intake, right? So just starting to pay attention to everything that you're eating, you know, and, and actually how much you're eating the world health organization, which I don't say I'm hundred percent on board with, you know, they're, they're questionable at times too, but this is kind of the best baseline that we have for sugar says that a healthy adult woman can handle up to 24 grams of sugar a day. And I think it's 29 for women. So that's about six teaspoons of sugar. And if you start actually looking at what most people eat for breakfast, granola, yogurt, and fruit, that's a good 30 grams of sugar usually for breakfast. Um, so we can really start, that's a, that's a nice baseline. A lot of my clients will say that's, that's their baby step goal is I'm going to get down to 24 grams of sugar a day. So when you know where you're at, you can start then maybe making those baby step goals with maybe you're eating hundred or 200 grams of sugar a day, which is not uncommon, not uncommon, mostly because it's hidden on us, right? Even if you don't eat cake or candy, it's there. It's in your salsa and your salad dressing oh, and your yeah. granola and your yogurt and your soup stock and your tea. I found it in tea once. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, oh my God. So really just starting to, to arm yourself with that and maybe taking those baby steps that way. And Another really great place to start is um, just reflecting on, this is actually a really simple, but sometimes difficult habit that I always get my clients to start with is literally just checking in with your body before you eat anything. Mm. So just checking in with curiosity, loving curiosity, no room for guilt or shame here, just noticing how you're feeling in your body whether it's an emotional state that comes up, or maybe you just feel like tight in your stomach, or you're feeling really heavy, or maybe you know that you're stressed or you're sad or you're bored, right? Like these sorts of pieces of information are incredible awarenesses to help us understand where our drive for sugar is actually coming from and snacks. So next time you find yourself in the cupboard or even eating dinner, right? Am I actually hungry? Is it something else going on here? For me, it was a lot of time. I do a lot of time bound eating. So it was noon. I have to eat, right? Like it must be lunchtime. <laughs> so like actually tuning back into our body can be really helpful. So just taking a deep breath and asking, you know, what am I feeling in my body right now? Jot it down and then move on, eat the thing, move on with your day. And within about a week, you're going to have some really good information about how often you're eating and for what reasons. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think a really big awareness piece as well, um, to get started. And, and of course there's, there's beyond that you can 
you know, start including some new healthy recipes, whole food recipes, right? Maybe learn one salad dressing to make at home. That's what I have one salad dressing that I make. It's literally the only salad dressing I make because it is so good. Me too. Uh, Yeah, it's so (laughs) good. Like I haven't bought salad dressing in years and I just like, it's become such a a habit. I make my own almond milk as well. I make my own soup stock, like all those things that I just like never think to buy because it's just a part of my routine now. Oh, I got to make more almond milk. Like it's easy. So maybe pick one thing that, you know, has a lot of hidden sugar in it or, or toxic seed oils and chemicals and and additives and, and try to make it at home. And then just like over time, you'll build onto that. And before you know it, you might be making, you know, I've just started learning how to ferment vegetables. And (laughs) so I'm doing all the things now and I'm (laughs) feeling, feeling pretty proud, but it's taken years to get there. So start slow, pick one of those things, and, um, and just commit to, to doing one of those things next week. Right. The one that feels maybe the easiest to you to start getting some momentum. Oh, Danielle, so many nuggets in there. Okay. We got to unpack some of this. And I, I got two things I want to bring up. Okay. So the first thing was you talked about asking yourself questions. This is key. And this is also something that I talk about with my clients who I'm helping with stress management as well, because a lot of times in life, we are just rushing through life. We're checking things, you know, one after the other on our list, right? We got to send this email. We got to go to this meeting. We got to pick up our kids from here. We got to, you know, get the supplies for kids because now it's back to school. There's all these different things we're checking off our list and we're not taking the time to check in with ourselves to ask ourselves how we're really feeling. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to managing stress specifically, you know, I ask my clients just to ask themselves, you know, just a couple simple questions. Like number one, like when you're feeling stressed in that moment, ask yourself, how is it that I'm feeling right now? And just let some words come to mind. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling, you know, whatever those words might be. Okay. And then the next question is, what do I need right now in this moment? Because like you said, a lot of times we're just turning to food for comfort. So by asking, by just stopping and asking ourselves just a couple of questions specifically, like, what do I need right now in this moment? Again, now that starts to help to to retrain your brain from that automatic response, which is just reaching for the cookies or the brownie or the cupcake, whatever your vice may be. And starting to really dig deep to really understand like, what is at the core here? What is at the root? And what are some things that I need to look at in order to redesign my life so that I'm not using food as a crutch? Yeah. You know, so I would say like that, that's one thing. And the second thing was the labels. Like that is huge. Like a lot of times what we look at on the label is contains real fruit juice. Right. And we're like, Oh, okay. That's good for me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drink that, but no, you got to turn it over and you got to look at not just like the ingredient label, but you also have to look at the serving size too, because that's another area. These people are so sneaky, especially when it comes to beverages. Like let's say it's like 355 milliliters in the bottle. Right. But for the serving size, they might only put half of that. And then there's like 28 grams of sugar, but people don't necessarily stop to do the math to be like, okay, wait a minute. That's only, you know, half the bottle. I'm already getting 28 grams of sugar. Right. So there's also the serving size you need to look at as well, which is really important. Yeah. I'm so glad that you, that you mentioned that. Of course, there's so many, so many pieces to talk about with the labels and uh, I skipped over that one and it's very important, right? It's very tricky because then they can write less of an amount, right? It looks less important. And this is also why food manufacturers use multiple types of sugar. That's why they have over 200 different names and different types of sugar so that they can use six of them, but in small quantities and list them lower down on the ingredient list, right? They're genius. They're literally billion dollar, like psychologists studying how to trick us into eating their, their food. And I love the, I love the, you know, the, the whole idea. And this is really helps me in the grocery store, 
that real food doesn't need to advertise it's healthy. So if you're gravitating towards products that have these bold health claims, like heart safe and sugar-free, especially sugar-free, because then they're just, they're totally just using toxic chemicals and artificial sweeteners, hundred percent, you know, all of these health claims, right. Are, are designed to try to trick you. So real food does not need to claim it's healthy, right? A carrot's not yelling, I'm good for you. Like, come eat me, right? Here's all the health benefits from eating me. No, a carrot just is there and we know it's real, real food, right? So, you know, that's, that's a a good one to just pay attention to as well. Like health claims are a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up something for me as well. Like when I was studying nutrition, the book, I think that was most uh, transformational for me to read was salt, sugar, fat. When I read that book and when I was, when I really started to understand what was going on in the food industry, like I remember just being so like, just irate, like just so upset because I knew a lot of people didn't have this knowledge and didn't have this information. And there's so many people out there, women specifically, who struggle with turning to food to help them to manage their emotions. And then they think to themselves, well, how come other people can kick sugar and how come other people can eat healthier and I can't? And they feel like a failure. They feel like it's their fault. They feel like they just, you know, like they're lazy because they lack self-discipline or self-control. And I just, if, you're, if anybody is listening to this right now and is feeling that, I, I just want to say it's not your fault. Because like Danielle said, these companies spend so much time, so much resources and so much money to bamboozle you to, you know, to, I don't want to get into too much detail here, but essentially to hit certain parts in your taste buds to have you keep coming back for more. So yeah. I want to say it's not your fault. So make sure you thank follow Danielle's you. advice here. Yeah. <laughs> thank got you a for lot of great that. tips to help you to overcome sugar. Okay. And, yeah. and speaking of those tips, Danielle, I know you have something called the three pillars to sugar freedom, and I am dying to get to this. Can you let us know what the three pillars are? I'm on the edge of my seat. I do. I will. I will. And this is like, this is, um, I'll, I'll caveat this with, this is a whole nother podcast episode to talk about these, uh, these three, but I want to just give you the, the quick, quick rundown right now. I want to comment on what you just said, because I think it's so Im- important and powerful, yeah. right? That, that this message that it isn't our fault and we need to release some of that pressure from ourselves, right? And that negative self-talk thinking that there's something wrong with us and that it's our fault and it's not. But what I always say is it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to do something about it. Yes. So we don't have to blame ourselves, but we can um, you know, have that awareness and acceptance of, okay, here's the situation. I've been tricked by the food industry and I'm addicted to sugar and oh my goodness. Okay. What am I going to do with this now? Right? right. And that's where, when we step into our power, we say, okay, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I was tricked. Oops. I was bamboozled. I love that word. Um, <laughs> now what am I going to do about it? Right. So it is our responsibility to arm ourselves with tools and knowledge and, and resources and all this stuff that obviously we're talking about today. So I love that. I love that. So these three pillars. Okay. So, um, what I've really realized over the last, you know, six years in working with clients and obviously my own struggle for two or three years, trying to get off sugar, you know, once I became aware of how toxic it was and it was going to really just dictate, you know, the future of my life and health. And I wanted to get off, took me a while. And over these years, you know, I've really become fascinated with understanding, like I said, like the, the depth of really where these deep rooted patterns are coming from and how we can actually shift them from an internal level so that we can create this external reality where we're effortlessly eating healthy and being kind to ourselves and loving ourselves. So over that process, you know, I've really 
discovered and created the system that I use with my clients. And this is what I use in my programs that I call the three pillars. And I'm actually hosting a bootcamp, a free bootcamp, live bootcamp this September. Um, and I, I host it every fall that is going to dive a lot deeper into these pillars. But the first one, I'll, this again, I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to go over this really quick. And I will say like, the, I call them pillars and not steps for a reason, because all of these have to be, you know, really strategically weaved together in order to create a lasting, healthy relationship with food that actually is a new way of being. This isn't a fad diet. This isn't, this is a lifestyle change. So when it comes to sugar, we have to have all three of these pieces intertwined with each other and there's nuances and, 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 you know, really specific pieces that have to be included, but overall the three pillars are detoxing from sugar. So we have to have the detox. Pillar number one is the detox. We have to get sugar out of our cells for a period of time in order to get our brain back, essentially, right? To get our cells back and to, to kick the physical actual pull that sugar has on us. So that is definitely an important part of the journey. The journey to sugar freedom, I call it. Uh, <laughs> pillar number two is the inner work. So we've spent a lot of time talking about this today. And I think this is actually the biggest pillar and the most difficult. And it takes the most time, which is why most of us want to just ignore it and pretend that it's not important and just, you know, do a couple therapy sessions and call it good and pretend that we tried that. So no, we need to actually dive deep into these root causes and these patterns, the belief systems, the traumas, the emotional connection to food, our values, our sense of identity, just so many pieces that I love diving deep into with my clients. And we have to start rewiring those neural pathways. So we actually show up as a different version of ourselves. If we want a different, you know, version of our relationship with food, we have to first start with a different version of ourselves, right. And, mm -hmm. and doing that healing. So that is number two, pillar number two is the inner work. And then pillar number three that ties it all together is actually surrounding yourself in the right type of community. So I say this very importantly, because there are a lot of us out there in the wrong types of community. Um, there are a lot of places, especially online, free Facebook groups, different, even different programs and courses that I've seen. I've actually had a lot of judgment, a lot of negativity, a lot of, um, a lot of guilting and shaming, a lot of toxicity and, you know, a lot of comparison and judgment game. And, you know, especially when we get women together, it become, can become really tricky, so we have to surround ourselves with the right type of community where we can actually feel safe to open up, to be vulnerable, to talk about our wounds, to cry, to mm -hmm. express emotions, to practice actually being our authentic selves, which is a huge root cause that most of us um, you know, don't really recognize. So we have to be in a sisterhood, right? Or, or brotherhood, you know, any, any men out there, right? Where we can be with people that get it, that understand the journey and that support us unconditionally, no matter what. Unfortunately for most of us, that's not our friends and family. Yeah. Um, that's just the way it is. Our friends and family know us a certain way. Subconsciously, they don't want us to change. There's a right. whole, like whole piece around that. They want us to be healthy, but they also don't want us to change. So it's, right. it can be tricky and kind of work against you. So we need to find whatever that community is, whether it's, you know, in one of Trudy's communities or one of my communities or some other community that you find, Please just really pay attention to like how you feel, the conversations that take place in that community, the support that you get. Does it, does it align? Does it feel good? We cannot heal alone. 
I, I, I learned that lesson in my own life over and over and over again. I see it everywhere. I see it in like the movies that I watch, you know, like we're not meant to be alone, especially in the difficult parts of our life. Like we're meant to raise children together. We're meant to, you know, overcome addictions together. We're meant to go through divorces together. Like we're not meant, we're not actually built as human beings to do things alone. And I think women have put themselves on, and I'm curious, like if you see this Trudy and how much this actually contributes to stress in all the women, you know, really putting ourselves on this pedestal and calling ourselves strong, confident women doing everything on our own. I can do anything and I don't need anybody's help. Right. Right. And I've got this and I can do it all on my own. And now we've taken on all the responsibilities and we are so overwhelmed and stressed and we are just binging on sugar to get through it and, and just becoming further and further disconnected from our body. So we need community. We need community to relieve stress and anxiety and to feel connected, to feel seen, to feel heard. Uh, I could talk about the power of community for a long time, but that's, that's the third pillar. (laughs) I don't want to go too much deeper into that. So detox, inner work and community. And like I said, they have to be really weaved together, um, you know, strategically at what times we start bringing in each of those to support and, and over a couple months, you can really be in a complete night and day different place with your, your mindset, your body, your, just the whole outlook that you have. Oh, I love that. So Danielle, like what are some resources that have helped you along the way in terms of like overcoming sugar addiction? Oh, such a good question. (laughs) Oh, there've been so many resources. And this is actually uh, another, um, funny that you asked that because again, I, I actually just filmed a podcast episode around, all of the different tools that I've used on my journey. And there's a list, I think there's like over 30 or 40 different tools that I've used over the last six years, um, between energy healing and therapy and having my own coaches and, you know, creating a sisterhood and community for myself. So there's been a lot of, a lot of tools that I use, but I'd say like the most important ones for me were really that community piece. Um, I actually went through a huge shedding of old friendships and creating new friendships, especially ones that were interested. They actually all happened to be entrepreneurs because I was starting my business at that time. And they all happened to also be interested in health. You know, I've got some great friends who are naturopaths and uh, energy healers and, and different people that we would get together and have potlucks and everybody brought healthy food, right? Like it just was a given. So I started surrounding myself with people who wanted to go for hikes and wanted to eat healthy. And it was just a no brainer. So that was, that was really, really vital for me to be in that type of environment yeah. um, to support me in, in, in eating healthy. And, you know, I've read countless, you know, books and podcasts and, you know, pieces over the years, I couldn't even mention them all. (laughs) And they've all touched me at different levels, of course. Um, and actually some of the biggest work that I've done with, um, with my healing in general, because ultimately it's this inner healing. That's just, you know, my relationship with food was just a, a, a direct, you know, result of that mm-hmm. has been with my coaches, with my therapists. I've also worked with the shaman. Um, I've worked mm-hmm. with a lot of different energy healers. I think that for me, just with in my belief systems and what works for me, that that's made a huge difference in being supported energetically in a different, different way so that I could tap in and actually rewire some belief systems, right. When we actually mm-hmm. can use things like hyp- hypnosis or theta healing, or, you know, these different tools to, to help actually get into our subconscious brain and, and shift the way that we think about ourselves. So those were some of the 
some of the biggest pieces for me, especially around the, you know, mental and emotional stuff. And I will say as well that I'm so grateful. My husband was on board the whole time. You know, he wanted to get healthy when we first decided to, to get off the white stuff and eat healthy. So that was, that was a, something that really helped as well, you know, in, in my household and having his, his teamwork with that. And I had to learn how to cook. And I actually embrace that as an opportunity because I know that cooking is actually just a, an expression of our creative energy, especially as women. So I really tapped into that, you know, flow of cooking. And I know by no means do I always love cooking. There's definitely mm-hmm. weeks when I'm like, I don't want to cook. <laughs> and then there's other days where I'll just wake up and be so inspired to cook and I'll spend all day in the kitchen. So it comes and goes, but I really did have to learn. I wasn't always a good cook. So, you know, learning through, you know, just trying different recipes online. Right. And, you know, having those conversations, sharing recipes with my friends and just, you know, finding that inspiration to, to dive in. Yeah. And, you know, I love that you talked about like community in a couple of different ways there, because that is so important. And I think a lot of times we want to make changes in our life, especially when it comes to eating healthier and we relay that to a friend. It's almost like we're holding up a mirror to that person because that person also knows what they should be doing, but they're not doing it, right? So by you changing your, your eating habits, you're holding up a mirror to that person. And that feels really uncomfortable for them and they don't really like that. So, you know, when it comes to my clients with, you know, helping them to eat healthier, you know, stress, manage stress, all these different things, but especially with managing healthy habits, I really encourage them to like write a list with like three different buckets of friends. So you have your friend that, you know, was going to be completely on board. So this might be a friend who was already eating healthier. She's making the green smoothie. She's doing all the things. So you need that friend. Then you make a list of the people who might be somewhere in the middle. They might kind of be happy for you, but not a hundred percent sure. And then you have your other list of people where, you know, they're still going to entice you to eat the cake, to have the chocolate, to have the ice cream, eat all of the things. And they're going to make it their mission. It's almost going to be like a game to them to see if they can get you to cave in. Right. So I think if we if we kind of go into it with a plan, just identifying those different groups of people then we kind of know, like when we're when we're not feeling our best, like when we're on our journey, we need that help and we need that support. OK, we can turn to that friend that we know kind of has it down. Right. And, and knows how to develop those healthier habits, knows how to make that more sustainable and knows how to make that stick. Then the people we know that are not going to be for us. We're not even really going to explain what we're, you know, what we're on to that person, right? We're not really going to explain our mission to that person. So I think, you know, kind of going into that with a plan, I think that's also helpful. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I love that idea with the yeah. three different buckets. That's so great. That's yeah. really, really important to know who who are your 100% cheerleader supporters, right? Right. And, and who are not. And that's okay if yeah. you know you don't have a lot of people that are. You can find people who are. Exactly. I mean, we live in this age now where you can reach out online and build new friends and um, you know, and really build those connections in a new way. Right, for sure. So Danielle, I have a question for you and it's something I ask all of my podcast guests, and that is what is your favorite way to take care of your mind and your body? Ooh, nature, nature. Ooh, like uh, there's so many ways. I am so obsessed with self-care and looking after myself, but I'd say yeah. that's the first thing that comes to me. I'm, I'm a huge nature girl, like being barefoot outside. I could just be happy living in the woods. So <laughs> getting out in nature as much as possible is not only good for my mind, but obviously my body. And uh, I went for a nice run this morning out in a trail near run and a swim at this beautiful park near my house this morning. And I try to do that as much as possible. So getting out in nature, definitely yeah. my, my big go-to for for all things. Oh, I love that because you're kind of killing two birds with one stone, right? It's like your mind and your body. And that's also why I like like going hiking as well, especially in the fall. Like fall is my ultimate favorite time to hike because I just love seeing like the leaves changing color. Like for me, that just puts me in such a sense of awe. 
And there's also research that shows like the benefits of experiencing those emotions of awe, right. With like managing stress and that sort of thing. But yeah, it really kills two birds with one stone. When you kind of go hiking, you get that exercise, you're taking care of your body, but you're also taking care of your mind as well. Because sometimes when you're on these, on these walks and when you're just kind of in nature where it's quiet, it gives you the opportunity to really go in. Right. And then now some things start springing up that you kind of know that you need to deal with. Right. So being in nature has a funny way of revealing things to you that you've been maybe trying to figure out, maybe trying to spend a long time, you know, trying to figure out what a solution is to a certain problem. And then it just kind of comes to you when you're in nature. Yeah. 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 Especially if you're open to it. Right. That's a big tool that I have. Like I'll, so I'll be very aware sometimes I'll, you know, when I go for a run or walk, I'll be listening to a podcast or listening to music. And I make a very intentional effort to not do that all the time, right. Spend some time with just the nature sounds, right? Like take the things out of the ears and, and just be, cause that's, you're so right. You know, nature has all the answers for us. And when we stay connected to that, um, it's not only good for our body and our mind, but also our soul, right? Yeah. Like nature is so important to be connected with and helps us remember, you know, what's really important and how supported we actually are. Yeah, for sure. So Danielle, if people want to learn more about you, they want to connect with you. They want to join your community. They want all of the things. Where can people find you? Absolutely. Yes. Please come and check out my website, danielledame.com. Um, I have some amazing free trainings and resources there that you can, you can dive into and some other pieces. Uh, come and listen to my podcast. That's probably the best place. Uh, I started that earlier this year and I've just absolutely been loving sharing some really, really big topics and amazing guests. So it's called the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. Uh, definitely come and check that out. And then you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Danielle Dame as well. And I'm newly on TikTok. I'm, I'm kind of scared to say that out loud, but I'm I'm dabbling in the TikTok. So <laughs> um, yeah, you can, you can come check me out there, but uh, no promises about what's there yet. <laughs> Oh, awesome. And you know, I have a sugar addiction, um, mini course coming out very soon and who knows, maybe I can convince Danielle to make a guest appearance on that. I would love that. (laughs) Oh, that's so exciting to hear. I had no idea. Please let me know. I would absolutely love to come and chat. All right. We'll have to talk about that. Danielle, thank you so much for stopping by the mind your body show. It has been so amazing having you on as a guest. You dropped so many nuggets on how we can begin the process of overcoming sugar, you know, understanding that it's not always our fault, understanding that it is within your control to change. And you just have to take that first step. So Danielle, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was so great having you. Thank you so much, Trudy, for having me. This was absolutely incredible. And I can't wait to have you on my podcast soon too. Can't wait. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.